calling all car dealers in Ontario. Protect your clients from hefty insurance premium surcharges coming in September while simultaneously saving on your garage policy premium. With insurance premiums skyrocketing on high-theft vehicles, your clients could save up to $12,500 over five years. Increase your profits and enhance your savings with Invisitrack Locate. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the October 6th, 2023 episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. I'm your host, Greg Layson, the digital and mobile editor at Automotive News Canada. My guest this week says the auto industry is, quote, under attack, and that's on all fronts right now, despite growing inventories, near record production, and strong demand. He also tells us how the UAW strikes and the negotiations with the Detroit Three automakers affect Canada. All that and much, much more, and trust me, you'll want to listen to the end when I speak with the Vice President of Global Vehicle Forecasting at Auto Forecast Solutions, Sam Fiorani, on this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. Sam, thanks for joining me on the podcast again. Great to be here. Always great to talk to you. Yeah, it's always great to have you on. Let's start here. How would you describe the North American auto industry during the third quarter? What was it like? Well, it's on shaky ground at the moment between the labor and the economy and supply chain issues. We're looking at a lot of issues that are going on all at the same time and just trying to to navigate through this this issue, this whole industry is is looking at uh, attacks from all sides. So just trying to keep everything going straight through and hoping to get out the other end. We've been in a long recovery, and uh, potential strikes and strikes are not helping. the The idea that uh, the economy is not doing as well, at least to the public, not doing as well as it should be, is not helping. And uh, everything else coming out of COVID with uh, the extreme prices of, of vehicles now, and we're coming out of short supply. So we're we're getting somewhere good, but right now is, is probably the worst time we've seen in a little bit, a little bit here. Tell me about sales. Uh, are they what you expected to this point in the year? And how do you see the fourth quarter playing out, particularly in Canada? Are we sort of on solid footing, where you expect it to be, and where do we go? Canada is where we expected it to be. We're looking at a 1.6 million unit year, which uh, is better than last year, but far from its best years. We're we're expecting the uh, uh, sales to be steady growth over last year for the rest of the year, especially thanks to uh, what seems to be a tame labor union negotiation. How do those labor negotiations in Canada affect sales? It's a question I get all the time when media calls me and says, you know, how do the strikes affect uh, the, the buyer right now? It hasn't trickled down to the dealer lots yet, has it, Sam? It has in a positive way. With uh, manufacturers expecting a strike, they usually boost uh, inventory going into the strike season. So there's usually a, uh, an additional surplus of vehicles on the on lots. Uh, that said, we didn't have a strike. So now we have this additional uh, surplus going on. Uh, as long as GM and Stellantis negotiate well, we fully expect uh, the inventory levels to stay steady and uh, consumers to have a good season uh, of choice and hopefully better pricing. 
I want to stick sort of with um, the inventory question or topic right now. Dating back to early last year, maybe even further, you and others kept saying we'd see the microchip shortage ease toward the end of this year. And it seems from where I sit that that's kind of happened. Can you sort of give me a lay of the land as to where the microchip shortage stands right now, how it's affecting automakers and how it's affecting uh, uh, inventory? The semiconductor shortage is still there. Uh, It's not making the news it used to, but it's still happening. And uh, we've had discussions with automakers and they tell us that we're still, they're still short of parts. They still need more. Uh, The investment is going into new plants to provide chips, but this takes time and takes a lot of money. Uh, A fab will cost you tens of billions of dollars. So it doesn't happen overnight. We we need to make sure that the, the, this, this industry gets the chips it needs because it's fighting space for uh, for chips with manufacturers who want to make them for cell phones, for uh, video games, for anything that has much higher profit chips for them. And the automakers need lots of chips as these vehicles are not getting any less tech savvy. So we're moving forward, but uh, we, we still need a lot of movement to get us to where we need to be in the next year, two years, three years, five years down the road. When, correct me if I'm wrong. When the chip shortage started during the pandemic, um, it was sort of described that the reasons were described as the people who were working from home needed new laptops, new cell phones, new iPads, people schooling from home needed all those things. So the chips were going there. Has that changed now because the chip makers are like, wait a minute, that's a much more lucrative market than the auto market. And the other factor I was told was the chips that automakers used were sort of older technology. Is that still the case or have the chip makers just saw more money in supplying sort of personal technology, things like the uh, the phones and the iPads? The demand for for personal electronics has gone down a bit. It's not a, nowhere near as high as it was in the middle of COVID. Uh, everybody was sitting at home and had nothing to do. So let me get the latest video game system. Let me get the latest phone. Let me get all these things that I need to entertain myself while I'm here. Uh, now that uh, the chip makers have more or less saturated that market, they have more room for automakers, but it's still a switch between the chips, the expensive chips that go into all your devices and the more robust, older chips that go into vehicles. If your phone, if your phone chip dies, it doesn't leave you stranded in the middle of the street. Uh, If your car chip dies, it could leave you stranded in the middle of the highway. So it has to be more robust and has to be more, it has to be better in all conditions, all temperatures, all weathers. And uh, it just has to be older and more robust. So are these electric vehicle battery plants good investments for any government, Canadian government, American government, Mexican government? Do they have a return on investment? Are they a smart thing to invest in with taxpayer dollars? Batteries are necessary going forward and will be more necessary in the automotive industry. So adding these plants to to your economy is a long-term play. They're going to be jobs for a long time. And the fallout for other industries, for related factories, for other other parts coming in, it, it it trickles down to all kinds of other jobs. So adding these jobs are very important for a long-term strategy. Uh, we're not investing in uh, brand new V8 engines. 
we're not investing in you know three-speed automatic transmissions. This is a long-term play, and it will will play out over 10, 15, 20, 50 years, hopefully. So do all these electric vehicle battery plants in Canada eventually lead to more automotive assembly in Canada? The potential for automotive assembly in Canada is a longer-term play. Right now, North America has the capacity needed to, to fill its demand of vehicles. But as the older plants become even more, even older, they will fade out and they will need newer, more modern, more electric vehicle focused plants. Building an electric vehicle does take a different process than we've been building vehicles for 120 years, the same, pretty much the same way. Since, uh, since Henry Ford put the moving assembly line into automotive production, it hasn't changed a lot. So we're putting vehicles together differently, and it will find a more efficient method, and it will take new factories. So the potential of Canada getting another assembly plant is, is still out there, but it's got to be five to ten years away at least. So we have an electric vehicle battery plant being built in Quebec. We have two being built in Ontario. I've talked to provincial ministers who tell me that we might be in the running for six battery plants when all is said and done. Does Auto Forecast Solutions forecast any more EV battery plants coming to Canada? Battery plants, we will need more. And so uh, adding more to Canada will definitely be a possibility, uh, especially as Honda and Toyota plants eventually change over to electric vehicles. That may be 10 years away, but it's still a in the offing so you'll need more supply of batteries locally plus the fact that uh, sometimes they go across the border to plants in in michigan Uh, so the idea of of producing more batteries to supply this this growing market of electric vehicles we're only at the beginning electric vehicles make up less than 10 percent of sales in, in the united states right now so it's going to it's going to bloom even more over the next 15, 20 years. So expect more battery plants in the United States and Canada going forward. We'll be right back after this short break. Due to the alarming rise in vehicle thefts, starting September 1st, 2023, Ontario drivers will face a brand new substantial surcharge to their already high insurance premiums to many of your top selling models, and they need your help. IA Dealer Services has partnered exclusively with KYCS Global Inc., to offer dealerships across Canada the Invisitrack Locate Vehicle Recovery Program. Invisitrack Locate is recognized in the insurance industry as a solution to auto theft loss, so much so that insurance providers will waive the premium surcharge for consumers who install an Invisitrack Locate device in their vehicle. You can help your clients by simply adding an Invisitrack Locate with their vehicle purchase. Invisitrack Locate will save your eligible clients between $500 and $2,500 on their insurance surcharge per year for the next five years. Yes, you heard that right. You can save your clients between $2,500 and $12,500 over the next five years, all while adding a new revenue stream to your dealership and providing your customers with the most effective asset location and recovery device on the market. Now is the time to act. Contact your IA Dealer Services consultant today and ask how Invisitrack Locate can help you and your clients save money and recover stolen vehicles before they end up gone forever. 
Welcome back to the podcast where I'm speaking with Vice President of Global Vehicle Forecasting at Auto Forecast Solutions, Sam Fiorani. What's the the sort of maximum distance or travel between, because I've always been told automakers like their battery plants near their assembly plants. So what is sort of the maximum distance uh, or, or maximum travel time between an electric vehicle battery plant and the assembly plant that those batteries are destined for? The shorter, the better. It, batteries are heavy and and not great to, to ship around. So once you have a plant in place, it should supply a vehicle assembly plant somewhere near it. Uh, we see batteries traveling across the world right now, but as we go forward, they're going to be closer and closer to assembly plants. And because of the nature of any product, you're going to want to get as much volume as possible out of it. So it's going to have to be a cluster of assembly plants being supplied by the same battery plant. Uh, we're, we're not going to see a lot of uh, vehicles getting uh, batteries shipped from Quebec to California, but you could easily see uh, Ontario to Michigan. It's the shipment is going to be as short as possible because we're we're cutting costs everywhere. We're trying to make sure that all these vehicles are as profitable as possible. That means cutting down the distance you have to ship the the parts, all the parts, to the battery plant and and from the battery plant. Uh, it, it's going to take a lot of of time and money and moving these plants to where they're needed. I would be remiss if we didn't dig a little deeper into this, uh, the contract talks between the Detroit Three and both unions, uh, Unifor in Canada and the UAW in the United States. How do you see this playing out on both sides of the border? As we speak right now on October 4th, uh, Ford has put forth what it calls a costly offer, raises of more than 20%. We saw Ford in Canada offer up raises of 15% plus cost of living, and if you're a new hire, a raise of 22%. What, what do you see playing out on either side of the border here, Sam? Unifor has been negotiating, and that's what these things should go, should be. Both sides should be talking and working out a deal that, is, that works for both sides. Uh, on the American side, it's, it, it, President Fain has set up the UAW at war against the OEMs. It does not work well, and nobody wins a war. So once you have already put a target on the back of your your enemy, it, the negotiation is it goes downhill from there. Uh, you can't win because if you've already declared war against the other side, now anything you give up is is a concession, and it's not negotiation. Uh, Unifor is is working well with with the automakers. They've already made a deal with Ford, and we're hoping that uh, deals with GM and Stellantis go so similarly smoothly. But uh, on the U.S. side, it's just it, it's painful to watch because you just don't know which direction President Fain's going to go, and if you pick a direction, you're sure it's not going to be that way at the end. How has that UAW strike, as limited as it is? Although it grew to to what I consider probably important vehicles in terms of Ford and General Motors, the Explorer, for example, in Chicago, and and then some of the smaller uh, SUVs in Lansing, Michigan. How has that UAW strike affected the industry so far, and what's next? The first wave was was the least painful. Uh, pickup trucks were in transition between two generations. Wrangler 
buyers have plenty to choose from because the inventories are extremely high on Wranglers and even higher on Gladiators. And Bronco buyers have already been waiting three years for their, their truck, so they're going to wait a few more months for that, that vehicle. Then uh, we moved to the parts level. The parts distribution centers that went on strike pushed the pain to the customer, to the dealers, the places where the money is made. And that hurt dealers and increased the pain to, to customers directly, the ones who already have their vehicles. The latest round, we're looking at a, a shift towards towards family vehicles, uh, three-row crossovers. It's really strange that uh, Stellantis was not put into this the, as they claimed that they got a deal, uh, a better deal going right at the last minute. But uh, the each of the levels has been even across everybody. And in this case, there's no equivalent Stellantis plant to attack. So... It just seems very coincidental that, that they uh, uh, hit the Explorer and the Traverse plants, and Stellantis just doesn't have an equivalent uh, type of vehicle. Uh, this one is more painful because it's, it's they're family vehicles. This is a bread-and-butter vehicle, but uh, inventory levels are relatively high, and uh, Ford was already going through a recall on the Explorer, so give them a little more time to sort out any details they have to do on that. Uh, and and GM is at the end of the production for the Traverse, so the production was going was planned to end already in November. So, how long typically would it take for us Canadians to feel the effect of strikes in Midwestern plants in the United States? If the next wave, if there is a next wave on Friday, that will be most likely big trucks. That's about all that's left. And that's what sells in Canada. So we're looking at a, a sharp inventory cut. When if, if they hit any significant number of plants, you're definitely going to have a, a problem selling these vehicles. These are the most popular vehicles in Canada and the U.S. So once you hit, hit the heart of the buyer, then they're definitely going to feel the pain. And it's it, even worse than that. It, buyers can wait another few weeks to get their vehicle. This is where all the profit is on the vehicle manufacturers. So this is this is the actual bloodletting. How is how are inventory levels when it comes to trucks right now in Canada? Are they pretty solid? Because I had heard that people had kind of been shying away from them earlier in the year when interest rates started to rise. Uh, how are those inventory levels for the Detroit Three in Canada right now? People buy trucks, so they're <laughs> they're they're going to sell them. And it, it doesn't really matter. We've already seen the, the average price of vehicles skyrocket over the year, over the few, past few years. So it doesn't seem like price or interest rate, which affects price, is really a, a, a going to affect their sales at the moment. Um, it, it's got to be a matter of time before somebody realizes that you know, $60,000 for an everyday vehicle is a bit much. And uh, we're we're still seeing sales of big trucks. We're still seeing uh, the production at near record pace. So it, it it's hard to say that they're going to uh, they're being affected that much. I want to end on this just because you brought up uh, production at near record pace. Do we ever catch up to meet demand? How big of a hole are we actually in 
you know, almost uh, two years removed from the pandemic, essentially. I I mean, it seems to me that we can never catch up to this demand. Does the industry ever match automotive consumer demand? Simple economics tells you that supply and demand will match at the price, at a price. So if we only have so much supply and we have an exceeding demand, then the price will go up. And that's kind of what we're seeing now. The the vehicle manufacturers have noticed that if they sell fewer, they can sell them for more. And they've been in control for most of COVID. Uh, We don't expect that to change. We expect that to lessen over time, but there won't be any dramatic, all of a sudden, we're going to see a 100-day supply of pickup trucks and 70-day supply of everyday vehicles anytime soon. But it will ease. Uh, Capitalism is what capitalism is. So you're going to see dealers fighting for every sale. You're going to see manufacturers fighting for every vehicle. So it, it, it will it will gradually decrease, but it's going to take us a couple more years to get to, to uh, a, a level playing field. Sam, always great to have you on the show. You are just a, a fountain of knowledge on, on all the topics we cover at Automotive News Canada. I appreciate it. Always great to talk to you. Absolutely. I'd like to thank Sam for being my guest. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, have a suggestion, or simply want to comment, email me at glason at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play, or on our website, automotivenews.ca. Just click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. That does it for this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.